Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. This is Matt. This is Courtney. Welcome back, Courtney. Yeah, welcome back, Matt. We've taken a little bit of time off. We did. That's okay. The holidays were uh, quite busy around uh, around where we were. And you know what? We had some snow days too. Oh, that's that's very <laughs> like, true. It snows up here in Maine. It's snowing today up in Maine. It is snowing. It's always snowing. It's always. It's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's always, it's snowing, always snowing in Maine. In Maine. <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> so, uh, so we've taken some time off, and we've tried to think about what we're going to be doing over the rest of the school year. Uh, I was thinking this is the end of our fourth season of mm-hmm. podcasting. Yes, it is. It's a lot. Well, it's not quite the end yet. Let's not. It's not June yet. <laughs> That's very true. We got a ways to go. We got a ways yeah. to go. We're gonna have a lot of more weekly podcasts yeah. from now on, and a lot more uh, of the do dos and don't dos of personalized learning. So we're gonna start today, yeah. with one of them. Yeah. So one of a big do do of personalized learning is um, this idea of a driving question, which <laughs> I was not expecting. <laughs> Not that type of driving? <laughs> Not that, no. Okay, good. Whoa, well, uh, <laughs> oh, hitting microphones left and right. Um, no, not that kind of a driving question. Okay. Um, I think a, um, it is synonymous with essential questions. Mm, I've heard of those. Yeah, yeah. So the way I like to think of these is that they are a large, overarching question that everything in a unit or a project or a learning experience connects to. Okay. It's what holds all of the learning, all of the all of the experience. It's kind of a guide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of a guide. It's something that you return to over and over again and ultimately the end, the output attempts to answer that question in some way. And you say attempts to. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to then. No, I don't think you have to. And in many cases, um, there is not a clear answer. In fact... Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. That's that's one of the um, characteristics of a really good essential question or driving question is that right. there is no definite answer or set of answers. Okay. So um, shall we take a case? Let's look at a case. Let's right? look at one. Let's look at a case. So I have here um, two questions that um, are, are great. And whenever I work with teachers on understanding driving questions, what, you just like that they're great? <laughs> These questions they're that great. I'm about to say, they're awesome. They're so good. They're such good questions. <laughs> okay, they are. As it turns out. Yeah. Well, and like, so here's why they're really good. Because in my head, I'm like replaying everything that always happens. Like, right. so I do this thing called the yes-no game, which gotcha. is. Um, yeah. Can you explain that one? A yeah, little bit? yeah, I can. It's also called the, the, the formal name is concept attainment, which is boring. I so like yes-no game better. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I call it the yes-no game. So uh, you, you come up with a concept that you want people to learn or understand. Mm-hmm. And in th- this case, when I use it, it's driving questions. And then so beforehand, you prep the game. You, as the facilitator of the game, list out non-examples and examples. Okay. So I have a list of things that are not driving questions and things that are driving questions. Okay. And then you put up on the board, like, a yes column and a no column. And then you... you you start, um, you tell the rules, and the rules are people can't say anything except yes or no. Mm-hmm. 
Eventually, you, you allow them to say maybe, but um, you gotcha. start off with you can only say yes or no. You can't say anything else. Um, you could change that to thumbs up, thumbs down if you don't want people calling mm -hmm. out. Like, you just limit the responses. There's no discussion. It's just think yes or no. Mm -hmm. So first you show them an example of a yes. You say, this is a yes. And you show them the example, read them the example, then post it under the yes. Then you show them an example of a no. And you say, this is a no. And then you put it under the no. You don't explain why. Right. That's Do not, key. that's the key. You yeah, cannot key. explain why. Um, then you check in with the group. And depending on the concept, you might need to do one more example of each, of each, or you might just say, are you ready to try it on your own? Okay. And that's when they say, like, yep, let's do it. Then you show them examples, and they have to tell you which column it goes in, if it's a, if it's a yes or no. At the end, you ask them to define the yes column. What is it? What are all those things together? So they're okay. building um, their understanding of the concept from the ground up. It's, it's constructivist, mm. if you're into theories of learning. It's constructivist nice. activity. So anyway, okay, so here's, so this is where the maybe comes in. So okay. and I do this intentionally because I know what some of the misconceptions are, right? Mm -hmm. So I, after a little while, I, I offer up these two questions. So the first one. No, no, right before you say this. You've done a bunch of yeses and a bunch of noes. I have done a bunch point, of yeses right? and a bunch of noes. And people are, people they believe have the they have the game and they know what yeses are. Yep. So here's, I show them this one. It says, what factors led to the collapse of the Soviet Union? And at this point, a lot of times, most times, it's split. Mm -hmm. I'll have some people saying yes, some people saying no. So then I'll ask the group, like, should we put this in a maybe and come back to it later? So we put it over to the side as a maybe, and then I show them some more, and then this one comes up. Mm -hmm. What common factors, or what are common factors in the rise and fall of powerful nations? And people always say yes to this. That one, yes, that is a really good example. Some people want to say no because it starts with what, but it's a yes, right? right? It's a yes. So then after that, I say, should we go back and look at that other one? The, uh, what, what factors led to the collapse of the Soviet Union? So then we put that one up next to the what are the common factors in the rise and fall of powerful nations, and so we have a really great debate. <laughs> and I have had times where it gets kind of heated, where some people are adamant Absolutely. that <laughs> you've been in the room for one of them. Yeah, people get adamant that that first one, what factors led to the collapse of the Soviet Union, is a no, and other people get adamant that it's a yes. It's a yes. It's a yes. It is a yes. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason why it's a yes is actually kind of like what, why we wanted to talk about driving questions okay. today. All right. So remember I said like one of the qualities of a good driving question is that there is not a single answer or a set of answers. So a lot of times there's like a commonly accepted set of answers, mm -hmm. right? Or so we think. Right. Because our generation, right, open the textbook, what does the textbook say, are the yep. common factors, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and that's it. No. Darn it. That's because that textbook was only written by one perspective. Right. So, and this is why I love high school social studies teachers, actually, because they're the ones that will steadfastly argue that this is a yes. And they're right. It is a yes. Um, because depending on how... What perspective you take, you might have different answers. Okay. 
So take a perspective. So if I were to answer this, uh, what were the factors that led to the collapse of the Soviet Union from a, an economic perspective, mm-hmm. I might have one set. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to answer it from a military perspective, I could give another set of reasons. Mm-hmm. If I were to answer it from a like social, cultural perspective, I could give a different set of answers. There might be overlap. For sure, there would be overlap. Sure. But they would not be exactly the same. So the kids that you're asking this to can kind of split off and answer this question from what they're most interested in. Yes. And now you've got them another way also. Yeah. Because it's not just they're all doing this exact same thing. Right. But they are answering the same question. Right. And we're all studying the Soviet Union. Sounds like you're kind of personalizing learning. Exactly. What? Oh, yep. that's right. That's us. What? Yeah. So kind of like the point here is, and so I recently I was working with an art teacher, actually, who was working through this idea of driving questions and kind of how to deal with them. And she had this um, epiphany that, uh, total aside, one of my favorite podcasts made fun of someone for using the, for using aha. <laughs> they were like, did you just say aha moment? Then they revised it to epiphany. So uh, that's shout out to my favorite podcast which I'm not even going to say what it is, but yep, epiphany. (laughs) She had an epiphany where um, she said that, oh, when I use a driving question like this, um, it allows the kids to come at the answer from different perspectives, which is what we really want them to be doing, is thinking about what they're learning from different perspectives. And I was like, yes. Perfect. Right, yeah. So whether ultimately... Matt, you end up researching the military perspective and I end up researching the economic perspective. We can still talk about it and I'm going to hear your perspective mm-hmm. and it'll inform mine. Right. And that's, that's the point of learning. That is the point of learning. Yeah. So you're getting, you're getting we, we always like having uh, debates in class, right? Oh, it, yeah. It, we, we always talk about how learning is social and how... Kids inform each other, right, right, from their own points of view. And I think that's that's important these days, in, just in general, right. is seeing how another person uh, attacks something or, or how they live or how they think about things. Right. And you're right, it, informing your own opinion at that point because you now have a, a whole set of different perspectives yeah. that you may not in your own little bubble. Right. So right. I think that's yeah. a brilliant way to, to really think about this yeah. is that's what we want out of our kids. Right. This sounds kind of fun. It is. I I think it is kind of fun. Um, And, you know, I also want to give credence to, like, that other question is amazing. You know, like, uh, what what are the common factors in the rise and fall of powerful nations? Like, that's an incredible question. And I think it's really easy for people to see where the personalization is there. Like, that's, that's, it's, and a lot of people feel like that's a better, quote, unquote, question, Mm -hmm. air quotes. <laughs> that used to be a game for us was air quotes. I can you know like it's easy to be like oh yeah that's huge thinking, right? Because right. we can see that there's compare and contrast in there. We can see that learners get to choose some place they're interested in. I think it's really important to start thinking about the subtler types of personalization that mm-hmm. can happen. Um, especially as learners get older and we do want them to specialize a little bit more. Um or for a teacher who is not quite comfortable yet with that total wide open, choose whatever nation you want, mm-hmm. right? 
you can still personalize within a narrow topic. And it's by finding the debate or finding the different perspectives and encouraging learners to approach information from different angles. Because you could always, after you're done with that particular question, for instance, in that unit, you can always tie it into whatever you wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. Like those factors, uh, for instance, that Soviet Union one, where are you seeing that maybe in the world today? Yes. Oh, yeah, that and would be lovely. suddenly that's yeah. your next step. Right. And I think uh, you said from the teacher point of view, so I'm thinking if they're not quite uh, ready for that gigantic question, exactly. make it more specific. Right. But then as you're going through it, you get a little bit more comfortable yes. leading yourself into, leading yourself, not just yeah. your kids, into whatever that next step might be. Yeah, is a good absolutely. Way to put that, so. Absolutely. So one of the um, one of the little anecdotes I share with people when I'm doing work around the driving question thing and helping people to understand that concept of commonly of different perspectives and commonly accepted sets of answers is a cause thing. It's often have to do with causes. Is like, all right. So what are the causes? What were the causes of the American Revolution? Right. We threw tea into the water and yep. it made the British angry, <laughs> so they switched to more coffee. Right. So, um, yeah, so ish. <laughs> but, it's been a while. but most people, a lot of people will argue that there is like a set. A, these are the answers. These are them, question. right? Like, and you can go look in a variety, again, look in the textbooks. Like, all of them are going to have similar answers. Right. Okay. So, when I used to be back in the classroom, I was on an interdisciplinary team where I co taught with the social studies teacher, I was the ELA teacher. And for a few years running, at the end of the year, we did this thing where the learners wrote little plays and put together like different, each homeroom got like a, a cause of the revolution, right? And we strung them together, these little skits and performed them at the, at the end of the year. Well, um, the number of causes of the revolution changed each year, depending on how many homerooms we had. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting historically. Yeah, right? So it's like, okay. Let's like throw out these ones that really don't mean anything. I, well, no, none of the important ones. I mean, you know, none of the obvious big ones that we all would think of were thrown out. But it just, it always makes me laugh because like, okay, well then if, if there were only one answer to that question, why are we able to manipulate the number from year to year? Mm -hmm. And then even then, it was only from, you know, the white middle-class perspective. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. It's written yeah. by the winners, right? It, yeah, the winners won it. Right. So, yeah. One thing you were talking about when, when you talked about the, the different perspectives that has got me thinking about this specific question. The Soviet um, Union one? The Soviet one or, Union yeah, one, yeah. because I was, I was in Russia last fall, yeah. and we got to tour the Kremlin. And as we're touring it, our tour guide, who was a Russian, yeah. gave a lot of like historical background about different things. <laughs> And it was always interesting hearing like about World War II. Oh yeah, some of the different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And and as he said some things, I was like, I don't remember it being taught that way to me. <laughs> but it's not wrong. Hey. What, he, what he said was not was not wrong at all. Right. It was just from a different, different perspective. perspective. And it it actually got me thinking about uh, some of the books that I bought since then. Yeah, like trying to read about things that I know about from a different perspective. Yeah, which has been fascinating. Yeah. But it's like, oh yeah, that's that's clearly a different perspective. Right. But the more we have different perspectives just in the classroom can only help I I, I read everything from the textbook when I was in high school. Yeah. We didn't do any personalized learning. No, me too. No, yeah. It was just like this is what it is. Yeah. 
these are the answers to the questions. Right, this is the paragraph. And there's <laughs> no debate, and, that, and that's it. That's right. And now it's it's very different. I yeah. think that's that's it's extremely amazing. important. It is. It's to good. get those different perspectives. But that's, when, when you said the perspectives thing, I was like, that reminds me of that guy. Yeah, that's so, that's <laughs> such a great, that's such a great, yeah. And even like in that room you were in, you were presenting to, to educators. Yes. Was it? Yeah, like, yes. so even there, like, had you asked them, right, about that question, what factors led to the fall of the Soviet Union, you mm -hmm. might have, you would have gotten different answers Absolutely. from Absolutely. From yeah. a room full of Russians? Yeah. Pretty sure I would have. Right? Yep. Okay, amazing. So just to kind of like nail this one home here, right, mixing metaphors, that doesn't make any sense. Let's yeah. drive home the driving questions. Mm. <laughs> um, the driving question is, it frames the unit, it frames the instruction, it frames the learning or the project. At the end, whatever the learners produce attempts to answer that question. Sometimes the question changes a little. They might ask like sub-questions and that's fine. Um, and really fantastic ones get learners to think about different perspectives. And that's also a really great way to ease into larger um, experiences with choice where maybe you've got kids studying places from all around the world and maybe the teacher's feeling like they can't manage that yet. Start small, find the subtle and encourage learners to examine things from different perspectives because everything is an argument, Matt, right? Yes. Everything's an argument. So I was, I was different perspectives, right different there. reasons. Be like to the Bureau of, um, what's it, Argument, Monty Python? Bureau of Arguments. Yes, I've come looking for an argument. No, you haven't. This isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. We are going to be asking you for your favorite driving questions on Twitter and Facebook. So let us know, and we'll read some of these cool driving questions that you have uh, on one of our future podcasts. Yeah, share the love. Yes. We'll because put and you know what? A good driving question could be answered and worked on over and over and over and over and over and over. Every year you come back, you might have a different. Yes, that's true. A different perspective, Matt. Follow us on Twitter to find out more at PLearnMC. <laughs> And on Facebook. And on Facebook. At PLearnMC. Yeah. All Everywhere right. Everywhere at PLearnMC. Review, rate, subscribe, share. You know